pleasure to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you. Um, I, I know, uh, you know, you've been a love activist, an author, spiritual mentor, mystic. Uh, you know, you, uh, have, you know, have developed deep insights, uh, you know, into so much of this. And um, I was just uh, thinking, uh, you know, your book, The Flower of Heaven, the title, uh, what, does, uh, what does the flower of heaven refer to? It feels like there must be some sort of maybe mystical or spiritual connotation there. Yeah, absolutely. The flower of heaven actually was a, was a beautiful blessing that I received back in February of 2019. And I happened to be in an intense prayer, and I was, I was meditating and uh, I had set an intention for the divine to mentor me on how to surrender even deeper to the divine. And as I sat down, I asked for the divine to bless my heart with, with the light of the divine, the Holy Mother, the Holy Father, and, and the divine Son, as well as the, as the holy light of the highest God, the holy, holy light of, of the divine. And I received a question, would you like the flower of heaven as well? And I was very surprised because I had never heard anything, you know, in all my spiritual journey, I'd never heard anything about the flower of heaven. And so I said, well, if it's from heaven, definitely I'll take into my heart center as well. And when it landed there, it was actually the answer to the, the intention or the prayer that I had had to be mentored in surrender. And so the very first teaching that the flower of heaven taught me was how to surrender the divine and uh, it was such a unique blessing in that the divine surrendered to me and the divine surrendered to me in all ways and really demonstrated to me how to surrender to the divine by being a living example of it and and then the divine proceeded to teach me how to surrender to everyone in the world and in doing so opened my heart to this incredible sense of of um, you know it's it beyond the the unconditional love that I'd already been experiencing was this absolute um, sense of actively loving the world. And so it took me into this, the concept of love activism. 
uh, and and yeah, when you said uh, actively loving the world, uh, you know the bells and whistles went off. So that is uh, what you refer to as love activism, I presume. Uh, but I wonder though, Tara, um, explain to me uh, how how do we reconcile? And and you know, and maybe we need to work our way to the answer to this question. And if so. That's okay, but how do we reconcile this this surrender that you're referring to with the need to change things, with the need for women's empowerment, with because um, you know when we hear the word surrender, it kind of uh, feels like okay, we're going to give up, we're going to acquiesce, we're going to uh, you know we're going to submit. And, you know, women have been doing that for so long in patriarchy, um, you know, and, and it's, it's gotten, I mean, it's gotten us somewhere, but not uh, to equality, not to, uh, you know, a place where, in, you know, we're, we're uh, equal human beings um, in, in the minds of, of some people and in some religions. Um, can, you, can you explain that? Mm-hmm, definitely. So Martin Luther King once said, those who love peace need to learn to organize themselves as much as those who love war. And one of the things that the divine taught me in surrendering is that surrender is an act of love. It's an act of love in that we surrender to taking loving action when we see what needs to be done and when we're moved in our hearts to make change when we see someone who's hungry or we see someone who's cold or we see people who are disadvantaged or we see people who are enslaved. And so surrender doesn't mean surrendering to, um, you know, giving up in that sense. Surrender is actually uh, when we surrender to loving people, we surrender to serving people. We surrender to serving the divine by serving each other. And so in that, and, and that's what, when the divine surrendered to me was this, this act of service to me. It was basically the divine saying, I'm at your feet. I would love to serve you. May I serve you? And this act of service is what is it, what is it that we most need? What do our brothers and sisters most need in the world? What, what is nature most need in the world? What do we collectively most need in the world? And surrendering to that, surrendering to actively doing what needs to be done, taking responsibility and getting out there and showing people their love, demonstrating that love. You know, I I, I don't disagree with you at all. Uh, I mean, uh, we've had numerous shows uh, coming at this from all different angles, uh, psychologically, spiritually, politically, um, and it usually always comes down to that. Uh, it comes down to uh, we have to figure out how to love one another instead of the polarization, the divisiveness. Um, but you know, sometimes uh, sometimes that's difficult. Um, so I'm glad you explained that the surrender that you talk about doesn't mean we we um, are to be passive or to uh, give in to oppression or domination and exploitation. Correct. That's correct. Mm-hmm, definitely, we need to 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 really see what needs to be done. And, and in, in that beautiful, loving surrender, when we surrender to serving the world, when we surrender to serving love, then we actually, it, it's a beautiful surrender in that we, when we rest into that place, we, we're actually quite nourished and we're directed in, in where we can best take action. And surrendering in that way, um, once you're nourished, you know, in that place of surrender, when you go to take action, your action is way more effective um, because it's, it's a place that's guided by this beautiful love wisdom. So, well, and you just said another phrase, um, in service to. Um, it, is that part of this equation that uh, to be a love activist, to actively love the world, we really do have to look for ways to be of service to one another. It can't just all be about us. That's correct. It, it really is about looking to see, but, for, but really being inspired and letting your heart be inspired in how you can best serve. 
because each of us have such unique blessings that we've been born with that the divine has seated within us. And each of us have unique ways to be able to bring about change, whether it's inventing something new that helps to relieve suffering or whether it's actually actively getting out there and, and feeding people or creating opportunities for other people to get out and, and volunteer or going someplace in the world and making change or even just making change if you are a CEO of a company, making change within your organization to ensure that the field of your organization is a field of love, where people are, where equality is honored, where um, you know, opportunities for growth are honored, where, where people's most basic needs are honored. So, um, I, you know, I feel like I'd be remiss if I don't ask this, and, um, and I do want to get on to, you know, conscious friendships and, and things like that. But, you know, right now uh, we have staring us in the face uh, such ugliness in the world. You know, we have children being put in cages. We have, um, you know, people who can't get health care. We have, um, you know, you know, our elections being stolen, voting, you know, voting rights taken away, which are important because if we, if our votes don't count, if, you know, our elections are being stolen, it's hard to move the world in a better direction uh, where it serves the many and not just the few. Uh, I'm curious if you have any thoughts, you know, for those of us who feel like maybe we're in the fight of our life right now, uh, to, you know, to save our country, to save other humans, you know, against, um, you know, the, the ugliness out there that causes these, uh, you know, such suffering. Um, any advice on how do we, uh, you know, how do we surrender in love to such uh, oppression and callousness and um, hate, I guess? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a big challenge. Suffering is uh, one of the things that I have touched into in a very profound way. Um, when I was a teenager, I was a, an emotional empath. I mean, I still am, but I was a, a very profound emotional empath, and I nearly died from the, the depth of suffering that I experienced at that time, and I really didn't understand. At the time when I was young and experiencing this level of suffering, it was during the time of Tiananmen Square and the Bosnian War, where women were being really systematically um, raped uh, en masse, as well as men being killed um, in, in Bosnia. It was devastating, and I, I really didn't feel like I could go on in a, in a world that was so devastating, and it continues to be so in, in so many ways. And I've also been... Um, I would like to say blessed in a way the divine has revealed to me a lot of what's going on in the world in even darker areas. And so I'm very aware of, of those things. And the, the teachings that the divine gave me were very life-changing at a very young age. And I was, I was gifted to see that, um, you know, I, I asked God, what, what is it that is going on? Uh, why are you allowing this kind of... Um, suffering, this level of suffering to occur. And the divine told me very clearly, I give free will. I offer the gift of free will. And it is your responsibility to clean this up. Your responsibility means the world's responsibility to clean it up. And so um, part of this responsibility is getting to a place where we stay within the power of ourselves despite the issues and ugliness in the world and the deep, deep suffering that people are experiencing. Because if we get lost in the suffering, we, are, we become ineffective. And so one of the things the divine has really mentored me on is to stay sober, out of the suffering, to stay in the power of who I am, to affect change in whatever way I've been given to affect change, and, and to um, assist people to come out of suffering. And so each of us has that uh, opportunity and responsibility to be pure awareness of the suffering. We're not supposed to ignore it. We have to be aware of it. But to be able to come to a place where we can accept people are making choices that are harmful. They've been making harmful choices. And we can accept that God has granted 
or the, the divine has granted free will to each of us and to recognize the gift of free will and to see what needs to be done to change that as well within ourselves and within our communities and within the world. And to, to basically to save, the, um, save our world, what it takes is for us to gather together as friends, as communities, and to make decisions of how we want to live in the world and then to start stepping into positions of leadership to ensure that happens, whether it's on the local level or on the global level. So we're, we're being called. It's time to uh, get up off the couch in whatever ways we have at our uh, fingertips or disposal, I guess, is uh, uh, another way of saying it then, Tara. Would that be correct? Absolutely. And some people might be out there thinking, you know, what, what can I do? I have, I have no gifts or I have no abilities or I have no influence. And the truth is you do. You have influence within your, your friendship group. You have influence within your family. If you have children, you have so much influence over your children, how to raise children who are, are both socially responsible and are within their power, you know, and, and, and to be able to encourage them to... Um, to be able to be revolution-oriented citizens and heart-centered citizens. And so there's a lot of different things that different people can do. And there are people with incredible influence who think that it's a little bit too scary to rock the boat or they don't want to have people turn on them or uh, they don't don't want to be pushed out of groups. And so they, they don't stand up. And it is their opportunity and their responsibility to stand up and to do what they know within their hearts is the right, right thing to do. And so wherever we are, we have, whether it's small or large, every bit of it counts. And so everyone has the ability to tune into their own heart center to ask the divine, how may I serve? How may I be a love activist in the world? Well said. Well, let's uh, go ahead and move on to something you call conscious friendship. Um, Tell us about that, and um, is that kind of a magic bullet to help us not have so many challenges uh, with family and friends? Conscious friendship is is an incredible blessing. Um, To first start off, basically the benefit of it is, is that it opens your heart deeper to yourself, deeper to the truth of who you are, and deeper to the divine, and so in your own divinity. And so being a conscious friend is something that actually begins to transform your consciousness as you step into the, you know, the traits or the, the, um, the embodiment of being a conscious friend. And it's different from maybe what other people have been experiencing as just as friendship in that, you know, they, they interact with people, they have friends, they do activities, they may have some up and downs that they resolve, but they're, they're not really super conscious of it. And so conscious friendship is about being conscious or curious first and foremost to know who you are and to remember your own divinity and then to really remember the divinity of others. And when you interact with others, to hold the embodiment of equality of divinity with the other person that you're interacting with. And when you do this, it's so simple to surrender. It's so simple to know how to be in that friendship. But the types of, of qualities that a conscious friend have, happens to have allow, basically include letting go of the happy fantasy of relationships because relationships are di- dynamic and imperfect. Each of us is imperfect, beautifully imperfect. And we don't have to be, have a, be a perfect friend to be a conscious friend. Um, being a conscious friend is really uh, about doing the best that you can and doing uh, the best you can to remember your divinity and to remember the divinity of the other, whether it's your close friend, your family, or anybody in the world. Would it be an oversimplification to um, you know, to go to that old saying, um, to treat others as we'd like to be treated. Because if we did that, uh, we would be respectful, we would be kind, compassionate, helpful, 
you know, we wouldn't be judgmental or, or um, you know, hurtful. Uh, is is that in a you know another way of possibly saying it, or am I missing something? That's an aspect of it, and the challenge with that is that if we're not in recognition of our own divinity, what happens, or the divinity of the others, what happens is we have these uh, emotional conflicts that can be very disruptive to us and create. Uh, fears of rejection and belief that we're not good enough and we don't deserve love. And so for holding those energies within us, and it makes it really challenging for us to really open up to friendship and to be able to be the embodiment of that. So one of the key aspects of uh, being a conscious friend is is to recall, remember your divinity, uh, hold the field for your divinity, hold the field for the other's divinity, um, you know, in, in the highest sense, but also to do whatever work you need to, that needs to be done. Uh, when you are in, a, in a relationships with people that are really challenging, uh, one of the most important things is to, to, to basically realize that every relationship is an opportunity or a gateway to heal whatever it is that maybe is out of balance within yourself that blo- would block you from being, you know, self-loving or a conscious friend in the world. So for someone who is listening and they might say, um, you know, I don't know if I know how to recognize the divine in myself or the divine in someone else. What does that mean? Um, how, how would you answer, Tara? Well, with this opportunity to, to share with people, the number one thing I would say, even just right now for those who are listening is, that you are divinely created. You, you are specifically, uniquely created. And your very existence is proof of your creation and, and the importance and necessity of your creation. And if you aren't aware of this, the most important thing that you can do to open your heart to your own divinity and open your heart to the divine is to get curious. To get curious about who you are, Get curious about your divinity. Get curious about divine wisdom, divine truth, divine love. Get curious about the flower of heaven. The flower of heaven is a gift that the divine has blessed into the world right now, which means if it's available for me, then it's available for everyone. And the divine, uh, interestingly enough, when I received the flower of heaven, it was an eight-hour process that I went through um, where the divine taught me, and the, the seed of the flower of heaven blossomed in my heart. And at the very end, the divine showed me the cover of the book and what it was to look like and everything. And, at, and so to me, it was a, a very strong message that the divine was offering the flower of heaven to the world. And I was to, to share it. And so get curious about those things. Get curious and ask in, within your heart, who am I? What is, what is this divinity thing? And to, to, to let that that question being open-ended question it's not yours to answer from the level of the mind it's to allow your heart uh, to be guided to allow the divine to guide you into awakening you to your divinity okay so um, uh, when we experience the challenges uh, with family friends um, is it you know the solution then to uh, tap into that uh, divine self uh, in ourselves and in them, and that sort of um, helps dissolve the challenges, would you say? Well, there's two things that people can do. The most important thing is the remembrance of a higher state. And so one of the things that I suggest for people to do is is to take a word that represents what you consider to be that highest state and write it out either by hand or type it out, put it up on the wall, make it look beautiful, put it everywhere if you want, this one word. And any time that you go into a state where you feel lost in relationship to another person, is remember that word until it becomes your embodiment and take mentorship from that word. It, can be, it could be love. It could be peace. It could be truth. It could be wisdom. It could be integrity. Whatever that word is for you, let that word mentor you back into the state that, you, that is your ideal state that will assist you to be able to, to enter into your divinity. That's one of the things. 
the other thing that's really important is we cannot deny when we've been triggered into anger or frustration or not feeling good enough or sadness or any type of contracted state. And so when we go into these contracted states, if we can take those states as an opportunity to ask ourselves one of the most important questions in resolving these states, and that is, what is the lie that I told myself just now? Somebody may have said something mean to you or somebody may have ignored you or mistreated you. Somebody may have even been uh, harming you in, in, in a crazy way. But I can guarantee you that if you're feeling that you're in a contracted state in any way, whether it's your body, whether it's your energy, whether it's your emotions, that you've lied to yourself, you've told yourself something that's not true about yourself, and it's super important to find out what it is you told yourself to justify that whole scenario. And a lot of people might say, well, you know, if somebody's mean to me, it's not me that's doing it, it's them that's doing it. But I can say this, if somebody said something really mean to you and you had no belief in that at all, if you held true to the truth about you, the power of you, the divinity of you, the loveliness, the beautifulness of you, no matter what they said about you, it wouldn't affect you. But if there's some sense of you that believes it, you'll have told yourself a lie and that lie will be that, that thing that will have hurt you the most. And so to identify it can actually take you down a path of seeing the lie that you've been telling yourself probably since your childhood. And when you can get down to the root of that lie and see, you know, when was the first time or the last time you remember telling yourself that lie, you can then get into, into a, an energy where you tell yourself the truth. And you can shift and change that and resolve that conflict. And one of the, the best ways to do it is to truly take responsibility and to say, you know what, no matter how anybody treats me, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm choosing not to lie to myself anymore. I'm choosing not to join in their mentorship or somebody else's mentorship from the past of who I'm supposed to be or who people think I am. And to step into in the remembrance of, no, I choose to be this beautiful amazing, loving person that I am. That's lovely. And, uh, and, and a great tip, especially for the beginning of the year when, uh, you know, we're doing so much, uh, you know, self-reflection and, um, you know, maybe trying to uh, tap into our authentic self. Um, well, let's take a quick break uh, here, Tara, and uh, we're, we'll come back in just a minute. Uh, but, uh, uh, dear listeners, um, here is a clip uh, from Serena Roney Dougal in Joe Carson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia. And uh, when we come back with Tara, uh, we're going to talk more about this and uh, ask her to give us some tips on uh, staying in this. A zone, if you will, of um, seeing the divine in ourselves and in other people and uh, um, also, um, you know, give some tips for the best path to maybe uh, open to the divine. And uh, there, we have lots more to talk about. But first, uh, as I said, uh, here's a clip from Serena Roney Dougal uh, in Joe Corson's film, uh, Dancing with Gaia. tell you about Joe Carson's film, Dancing with Gaia, an exploration of earth-based spirituality shot at sacred sites around the world. This is from Janina Renee, author of Playful Magic and By Candlelight. Dancing with Gaia is a magical, transformative film. Just watching it can alter your perception of the physical body and the energy field of the goddess Earth. Next time you are taking a walk or simply gazing across the landscape, you might find yourself affecting mystical fusion with the local earth forms or making deep contact with the spirits of place. If you want to engage deeper with the consciousness of the earth, there are a number of detailed but simple how-tos. What's more, seeing the exquisite works of these Gaia-inspired artists 
could energize you to start working on some of your own spiritually expressive projects. The DVD was shot in some of the most powerfully sacred sites in the Western world. It comes packaged with a 45-page color booklet, which goes even deeper into the ideas and techniques in the film. The package is just $20, and you can get it from dancingwithgaia.com. And as she said, uh, Dancing with Gaia is available only at uh, dancingwithgaia.com. And if uh, by some chance uh, you're tuning in late, uh, I am chatting today with um, uh, Tara Bianca, and our topic uh, is love activism. And her new book uh, is called uh, The Flower of Heaven. So, um, Tara, uh, let's uh, get into a bit... um, you know, you refer in the book to opening to the deeper mystery of you. Um, what does that mean? Why is it important, and how do we do it? <laughs> There's a three-pronged <laughs> question for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, opening to the deeper mystery of you is such a beautiful, I would say even a tantric, and when I mean tantric, I mean this beautiful sacred balance and sacred dance of discovering the beauty of yourself. And this deeper mystery of you, even if you haven't experienced it yet, is the truth about you. And I feel so blessed because the divine has revealed to me both the mystery of, of who I am and the mystery of who you are. And when I encounter people, I am so moved. I am so blessed. The gratitude within my heart for the beauty of every person I encounter is so profound. And so opening to the deeper mystery of you is is that which beckons you to discover. It's that which beckons you to ask questions and to get curious. Um, The divine has, has kept you mystery in a way to delight you and for you to experience it's almost like you know when you learn something amazing uh in any field or when you discover a new flower that's so incredibly beautiful or you go to a new place in the world um you know that incredibly beautiful sacred site or a beach or a beautiful forest and the newness overwhelms you and it delights you at the same time and you it opens your heart even deeper and deeper it just it just it's a spiraling effect of, uh, of opening your consciousness. And so this deeper mystery of you is the part that the divine makes you curious and says it makes you, makes you called to go to a workshop or a call to read a sacred text or to sit in prayer and to ask questions. And one of the, the deepest ways to open to this is to go into prayer when you're not in a state of suffering, to go into prayer with with basically this really, um, I would say, earnest and open and surrendered, you know, mystery of you and, and question of who you are and, and ask the divine to reveal it. <clears throat> it's something that, that needs patience because it's, it's, a, it's a slow romance often. Some people, it, it can be quite fast, but in most people, excuse me, <clears throat> most people have this slow romance opening to the mystery of themselves. And some people feel like they need to rush the process or they want to just be there or just know. And what I want to say to people is let yourself enjoy that slow romance and let yourself enjoy the, the little small nuances of yourself being revealed to you or who you are being revealed to you and, and allow yourself to be kind of like a, a patient and, uh, and open and curious at the same time. It's like a kind of a unique balance to be in that state. And to not let yourself compare yourself with anyone else, because I can tell you this, you will open to the deeper mystery of you. It's already written. It's already done. It's already happening. You're on that journey. And, and for many people who are listening to this, they will have seen that if they can look back through their life, they can see that they've been awakening, that they've been opening deeper and deeper to the mystery of the divine, to the mystery of themselves. And so 
the number one thing that I mentioned before is just getting curious. When you get curious, then you become receptive. And when you become receptive, the wisdom flows into you and opens you in beautiful ways. Well, Tara, you've been in, uh, you've been at this over 20 years, uh, researching, teaching, speaking. You're uh, a love activist, obviously, an author, spiritual mentor, mystic. Um, you know, uh, tell us a little bit about your spiritual journey. Were there, um, you know, particular challenges you think it might be useful for listeners to hear that um, you encountered along your spiritual journey? Mm-hmm, absolutely. So when I was a little child, it was the beginning of a very big challenge for me. I was, uh, I was quite alone, and I was, I was very curious as a young child and, and asked around, asked my parents, asked, asked spiritual leaders. I was, I was, I was overwhelmed and over, overcome with um, getting answers to big questions. And when I had nobody to really turn to, when I asked the questions and, and adults would actually laugh or they would send me away and, and, uh, and probably felt overwhelmed by my questions as well because they didn't have the answers themselves, I felt so lost and alone. It was an incredible sense of aloneness at, at just six and a half years old. And... I realized, I was fortunate because I, I realized that if the divine existed, that I would have to turn to the divine for mentorship. And so even in my suffering as a very young child, I surrendered to the mentorship of the divine and the divine started teaching me. And I started to open up spiritually at a very, very young age. And it left me very susceptible to misunderstandings within me because I had no real world experience and I didn't understand and had no mentors to guide me through a spiritual awakening at such a young age. And so my psychic abilities started to open, uh, especially in puberty and my empathic abilities as well. And I started to experience uh, tremendous teaching and training, but it included not only the light, but also the dark. And so for 10 years, without knowing what was going on, I was plagued with uh, my ability to be able to see dark entities, but not know how to work with them or how to deal with the, the overwhelm that I experienced and the fear I experienced as a child being able to see these things. And so it wasn't until I was um, much older, about 10 years afterwards when I turned 23, that I encountered a man who taught me how to two things. One, he told me what was happening to me was not a negative thing, and that really allowed for me to, to stay open to the experiences that I was having and to um, have a sense that something beneficial was happening, but I couldn't with my mind understand it, and my mind was trying to make something wrong with it. And then the second part that was really helpful was he told me that I could bless these entities and assist them, and that they were coming to me because I could see them and that I could help them. And so when I left, I, was, I felt very empowered and I felt very different and very transformed. And it took me another 10 years to really understand how to, to shift and change these circumstances for these entities. But I was so curious, just the knowing that I could do something, that I could change and shift something, left me so curious that I became a very willing uh, student to the divine to, to learn what could, could be done. And in that, at the same time, simultaneously, in the year 2000, I went into a state of unity consciousness. And it was approximately around the same time. And when I went into this beautiful state, I was in it for for approximately close to two months. And in that state, I I was in this incredible state of connection with all of existence and the divine. And I ended up giving it up for my husband at the time because he was very uncomfortable and very fearful I would leave him. And so I decided that I would go out of that state and return back to it when he was ready to enter into that state with me. And I didn't know what I was doing or saying uh, when I made that choice. And when I gave up that state of consciousness, I plunged into an incredible experience of health. And I was there for about a year and a half, and my life was pretty much 
catapulted. There's nothing I really could do. I couldn't function. I actually had realized that I had gone into this basically state of heaven on earth and in, in a way had rejected God, really my own divinity. And so in this place of, of rejection, I went into severe self-rejection and I had beyond what's known as the dark night of the soul, I actually was living in hell on earth. And the contrast of it was a really great teaching for me to see what we can do to ourselves and how we can create these states for ourselves that are so disarming, so incredibly disempowering, and how we can lock ourselves into these states temporarily. And I say temporarily because uh, one of the things that the divine has taught me is we are never stuck in these states. As painful as they may be, as torturesome as they may be, they are temporary. And if we can remind ourselves they're temporary, we have the ability, we have a, 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 a space to be able to exit out of these really uh, profound states of suffering. And then in addition to that, if we can remember, and this is what actually had me come out of this state, is I was, I was blessed with a book that I read one day about a, a year and a half afterwards. It just happened to be on the solstice. All of it was such beautiful divine timing. And I was reading this book called Christ. And in the book, there was a story um, about Christ uh, forgiving Peter. And in, in that book, when, as soon as I had read that, my consciousness opened up and I realized that I'm always forgiven. And in that forgiveness, I had this beautiful Christ consciousness drop into my heart center and explode in my heart and take me out of that hell state. And it was in the recognition that I'm never lost, I'm always forgiven, and the blessings of the divine are always available to us, uh, whether it's the blessings of the Holy Mother, the Holy Son, or the Holy Father, the blessings of nature, the blessings of our own holy self, whatever it is, blessings are always available to us as long as we have the willingness to receive them and to recognize we deserve love, we deserve forgiveness we deserve to be in our holy state wow what a story uh that uh you know that's that's uh pretty powerful uh well you know you've you've been uh you've been dropping tips along the way and offering a lot of uh, wisdom and insight uh, but, you know, I, I haven't really asked you directly, I don't think. Um, is, is there a best path um, if we want to uh, open to the divine? Well, there's many paths. So we know um, there's the Raja path, the path of uh, loving devotion to the divine. It's like when you surrender your whole heart to the divine. It's a very powerful path. There's also the path of service, love service to the world. That's what the flower of heaven is really about in conscious friendship and love activism is we have this opportunity to, uh, and, the, and the divine has, has demonstrated through this book, that when we surrender in loving activism to the world, we open our hearts deeper and deeper to the divine. Because in serving each other, in loving each other actively, we are loving the divine. We are loving ourselves. We are loving all of creation, which is what we are. And so uh, whether it's, it's surrendering your heart completely to the divine, whether it's uh, serving and surrendering your heart completely to humanity and to yourself and to um, this beautiful co-creation that we're creating together, um, those are two really powerful ways. Some people go the way of spiritual study. Um, for me, I've, I've done a combination of everything. I've, had, I've been very blessed to, to go down many paths to opening to the divine. But I think the most important path to opening to the divine for every person is your own personal relationship with the divine and allowing it to be your unique path. It's not anybody else's path. It will never be. For as many people there are on this earth, that is how many paths there are to the divine and that there, there's inspiration from people who have already awakened to the divine. There's beautiful teachers that the divine has sent us to say, here's a way to me. This path is a beautiful path. This path is an easy path. But not everybody wants an easy path. Some people actually want a little bit of uh, drama along their path. Some people want to explore in different ways. Some people want a straight path to the divine. And the best path 
is to tune into what is my unique path to the divine and get curious again. It's about curiosity. What is getting curious into how it is that is the best way for you to open and then also to say to the divine, I surrender to you opening me to my divinity and to opening me to the wisdom and truth of existence and you and let the divine choose the most optimal path for you because just like the Buddha uses the most expedient means to awaken, the divine uses the most expedient means to awaken and and all of existence actually uses expedient means to awaken you. And sometimes that awakening can feel torturesome, just like the suffering that I've been that I've been through throughout my life. When I look back, uh, I am so grateful for the dark, the light. Every part of it has awakened me. Every part of it has informed me. Every part of it has allowed for me to be compassionate for other people's suffering and have allowed, has allowed me to be able to mentor people out of their suffering because I've been beautifully mentored by the divine to come out of suffering. You know, Tara, as I'm sitting here listening to you, um, you know, you're reconfirming so many of my beliefs. You know, the, uh, the most recent thing you said, you know, that, you know, there's a gift uh, there in all our challenges. We just have to see it. But, you know, you're also kind of making me think about, um, you know, people out there who, um, you know, they, uh, they're, they're so far removed from what you're talking about here. You know, uh, maybe they, you know, maybe they're coming from a place of fear. You know, uh, it's hard for them to uh, possibly act in the ways you're talking about because uh, they're so full of fear. Um, you know, they're so full of suffering. Um, I guess I, I wonder, uh, you know, what can be said about that? You know, because it, it feels like to me that, you know, people who – um, or, you know, it, it seems to me fear is at the heart of so much of the the ugly people do one another. You know, uh, there's certainly not a sense of uh, these people that are being oppressed or, uh, you know, being abused uh, or divine, you know. Um, and and I guess I, I wonder, um, is, is there anything you might want to say about uh, fear or suffering? I mean, does, it, does fear and suffering block this, um, you know, this path to, you know, open to the divine? And I guess if so, um, are there tips to dissolve that either in ourselves or in others we might come in contact with? Mm-hmm. That's a wonderful question. Absolutely. There are, I'm gonna, I'll give you some tips. First, you know, the, one of the first things to understand in every single person who's out there who is, is in a fearful state, an angry state, a suffering state, or a lost state, is that they are truly lost. They are so disconnected it really means they are not taking their mentorship from the divine. Anytime anyone suffers, they are, they are separated from the mentorship of the divine. And so, and to be able to get back to that can be very challenging because when you're in a state of suffering, you're, you're, you're stuck in the mind. And that, and that place of being just in the mind is a type of prison. And so one of the best things that we can do is understand that the people who behave in negative ways or who are lost in, in sadness or suffering, depression, hopelessness, helplessness, um, those people are lost because someone has mentored them. And really the field of existence that has been tainted with the illusion or what we call maya, or some people may call the devil or some people may call um, whatever the names that they have in various traditions, but essentially maya or the illusion has corrupted people to believe uh, in disconnection. And so when you encounter anybody, no matter who it is in the world, who is affecting change in negative ways, those people are the most lost people. 
And the number one thing is to, to have deep understanding and compassion for them. It doesn't mean you allow them to behave in those ways. It doesn't mean that as a society um, that we just ignore it. But first and foremost, your behavior, your action to make change has to first come from true understanding of the reality of what those people are experiencing. And every single person who behaves that way is absolutely lost from their own divinity and lost from truth. And so one of the best things that we can do, for example, let's say people are suffering because they're starving in the world. The most important thing that we can do is to mentor them in love by feeding them, by showing them they're loved. We have to demonstrate love, not just talk about loving them, not just sit back and say, yes, we love these people and and that sort of thing. God entrusts equality to each of us. And equality means that everyone gets fed, everyone has access to clean drinking water, everyone feels safe. And so it's our job, it's our responsibility to make sure that our brothers and sisters actually know love, that they're mentored in love, and they're not left to be mentored in this place of suffering with the illusion that basically tells them they're not good enough or that they're not worthy of, of being fed or they're not worthy of clean drinking water or safety. And so... Um, when we encounter people who are lost in a- action that is um, harmful or creates suffering, it's really important for us to, those of us to, who are love activists, to band together and to declare and determine uh, a course of action to not allow these people who are in positions of leadership to be able to make these kinds of decisions that, you know, that perpetuate this kind of suffering. And so we really do, this is really a time where, and I see this this change that's happening, and I believe the divine is activating this within all of us, um, or most of us on on this earth. Most of us know that people should be fed and have access to clean drinking water and also to feel safe. And it's in our hearts to want to do something. And so it's really important that we come together as friends to be friends to the world, to make a change and actually start feeding people who are hungry and make change and start to elect people who are actually going to bring about change that reflects our values, that reflects our own divinity and the divinity of everyone in the world. Well said, well said. Well, Tara, um, I think uh, you've, you know, you've spent the last, uh, you know, 45 minutes, um, you know, uh, giving us some incredible, incredible wisdom and insight. And, um, you know, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to uh, to close here. I mean, is there anything that I uh, have not asked you that uh, you feel is important to say before, you know, we part ways today? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great invitation. You know, it's interesting. One of the things that recently the divine has mentored me that I'll I'll be sharing more about with the world is that the divine will write whatever story we choose for ourselves. And so it's really important to be very conscious of the story you choose for yourself and the the story you choose for your family, your friends, and for the world. And when we co-create a story together, a story of... Uh, victory in love, in equality, in truth, in joy, in fun, um, in family, because family is so important. Um, and, and not just our immediate family, but us as a global family. God will write that story for us if we choose it for ourselves. But God gives us free will. The divine is, has gifted us with so many things, and free will is one of the greatest gifts that the divine has gifted us with. And God will write a horror story if we choose a horror story. But God is hoping that we will choose a love story for ourselves. And if, if that's what we choose for ourselves, it will be done. And so I really encourage all of you to come together with your friends to choose love for yourselves, to choose love for the world, to begin writing a story that is so beautiful and transformative for each of us and to really attune to what you know to be true about yourself and to be true about others. And I'll tell you the truth about you. The truth about you is that you are love and that the point of everything in existence is love. And my blessings for you 
or that you open to the love that you are and the love that exists for you and to know that all of existence seeks to awaken you, seeks to bless you, seeks to serve you. If you are willing to receive service from the divine, the divine is there to serve you at every single moment. And the divine knows you intimately. The divine knows exactly what you need. The divine is so eager and so happy to be of service to you. Mm, that is so lovely, Tara. Um, I, I I can't help but, um, I, I mean, I, I, I feel it from you. And uh, it seems to me if we all moved through life uh, in the way you're speaking with the ideas you you are suggesting we move forward with, if we uh, could all be in this zone, so to speak, um, what a difference, uh, you know, there would be in the world. What an incredible difference. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and I pray for it for all of us, uh, really, because, um, you know, the suffering out there is uh, intense. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, of course, you know, maybe it's not the worst it's been in the history of humankind, but, you know, when you look at the opioid epidemic, I mean, I think that's a direct, um, you know, reflection of the hopelessness out there. And uh, certainly people who don't feel connected to the divine, certainly people who don't feel safe or cared for and, um, I mean, all the other things that are that are going on, you know, the the oppression, the you know, the abuse, um, you know, and, and we've even normalized abuse, which is uh, a, a terrible thing. You know, it's it, you know, we've just come to accept it as um, you know the way of the world, and uh, we can shift all of this. We we really can shift all of this. We we just have to know we can and believe we can, and. Um, move through the world in the way you've suggested today, and uh, I, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your for your wisdom and in uh, your work in the world. And I encourage uh, listeners to um, listen to this recording often, or get uh, Tara Bianca's book, The Flower of Heaven, and uh, start on your spiritual journey. Um, you know, write write that narrative uh, for your life. You know, the happy, successful one, the healthy one. Um, I mean, we, you know, you've you've obviously told us we all have it uh, within our power to do. We just um, have to believe it and get to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. So I hope everyone feels inspired, and uh, it's such a blessing, Karen, for you to offer. You know, this podcast is such a blessing for people to have the opportunity to hear from people and to hear from you and to to have that kind of mentorship because one of the most important things in life is to be mentored by people who can elevate your consciousness. So thank you so much. Well, um, well, thank you, too. You know, I feel like we all have little pieces of the puzzle. Uh, like you said earlier, we all do what we can. And, um, you know, if, and if we're all... Uh, on that mission, so to speak, uh, you know, we, we can, sh- you know, we can uh, help save the world and ourselves and uh, make it the, the place, um, you know, that shining place that it could be. So um, thank you so much, Tara. Thank you for your mentorship and the best of luck with your book, The Flower of Heaven. And uh, please keep in touch with me um, should, uh, you know, the opportunity present itself and uh, you'd like to speak to listeners about another topic, uh, I am always open to having you back on the show. Thank you. It's my honor. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye for today. Well, listeners, I hope uh, you have enjoyed uh, today's uh, inspirational talk with Tara Bianca. And uh, I invite you back uh, next Wednesday. I will have with me uh, Trista Hendren. Uh, She is the creator of the Girl God series. Um, She's a former Portland native uh, who moved uh, to Norway with her family. Uh, And uh, we're going to be talking about how to live well despite capitalist patriarchy. Uh, That's next Wednesday. And um, I believe the following 
Friday, is it? Uh, let me just look on the calendar real quick here uh, so I don't give you the wrong information. Uh, yeah, the following Friday, uh, I am going to be doing one of my inspirational talks that uh, I've started uh, this year. Uh, this is the third one in January. Usually there's only one. Uh, moving forward each month there's only one. Uh, but the last one uh, for January is about Sekhmet, the lion-headed Egyptian goddess. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, why uh, Sekhmet is a deity archetype. Um, and Ideal is a goddess for today. I invite you to hear her sacred roar, and it will be followed by a meditation. And uh, probably some interesting stories um, that uh, Pat, our roving goddess reporter, uh, has sent in as well. Uh, I'll be sharing those. Um, and I may start uh, opening up uh, you know, these... Um, you know, these days of inspiration uh, from me, just me here on the show, uh, to listeners. Uh, you could call in. Uh, we could have a chat. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, you're welcome to ask me. Uh, if that's something you might be interested in, uh, let me hear from you, and maybe that will be an aspect of the show uh, we will add to those uh, days when I am sharing inspiration from uh, my book, Goddess Calling. Okay, uh, that about does it for today's show. Uh, we're going to close with um, um, a little music from Celia, and this is uh, her single called Meta Prayer.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.